0: I was thinking this morning, back to the beginning of this year, and it struck me that on the first Sunday of this year, I was the speaker, I believe, in the morning service, and I spoke of a 2020 vision. Now, who of us would have imagined back at the beginning of this year what vision God had for 2020? That God's vision for 2020 would include this lockdown, this quarantine, this uh, staying at home, this preaching to a mostly empty church building. None of us, even in our darkest dreams, imagined that it would turn out like this. But here we are. But God had it in his dream, in his plan, in his purpose for good. Good because that's his promise, that God works all things together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And it seems to me that one of God's many purposes for this COVID quarantine is that families have time together. Now, There may be uh, those who have lost family members for whom that's a bitter statement. There may be those who have broken homes for that, uh, for whom that may cause pain. Uh, Forgive me for that. And I'm sensitive to that, to those cases. But for many of the others, it does mean more family time. And so let us call this then our COVID quarantine family seminar for 2020. And God in His purposes brought us to Colossians chapter 3 for such a time as this. Colossians chapter 3, and I want to read again verses 18 through 21 very short verses, but very packed with instruction that takes a little while to open up as we pour into these four verses, teaching from the rest of the Bible. And we come to husbands again this evening uh, in verse 19, but let's read the four verses, 18 through 21. Colossians three eighteen: wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, Love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, ah, your turn is coming. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children, that they may not lose heart. Well, Let's pray that God would help us uh, in our uh, COVID quarantine family seminar here in Colossians chapter 3. Let's pray that God would write these things on our hearts as we heard this morning in the morning service. That we trust not in the ability of speaker and the studies that have been done and the notes that have been prepared but our confidence is that God the Holy Spirit who inspired this word will take it home and use it in hearts. Let's pray to that end. Our Father in heaven, we do come before you with a sense of dependence, a sense of, in a way, helplessness. Apart from you, as the Lord Jesus reminded us, told us, revealed to us, apart from you, we can do nothing. We are convinced of this because in your mercy to us, you have let us fall flat on our faces in times past and shown us our helplessness. And so with a sense of dependence upon you, we husbands, we family members come before you and ask for grace, for help, for wisdom, for strength, for the willpower to do what your word says for our families. And ask I ask especially help to explain, expound, pour into this short verse, verse 19, all that the Bible has to say in many ways about being a good father and being a good husband, especially in this verse. So help us, we pray, as we depend upon you through Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Now, one pastor that I know has done a lot of pastoral family counseling says that if there are problems in a home, problems in a marriage, more than 90% of the blame is to be laid at the feet of the husband. Now, men, that may seem a bit unfair to us, and I'll include myself, uh, since we, we know, as the wise man said, it takes two to tango. Uh, and to have a fight, you always have to have two parties. But when you consider that the husband is the head of the home, The wife is to submit to him. When you consider that he is commanded to love his wife, that to borrow Mr. Truman's phrase, the buck stops with him, it makes sense that the husband is to blame if there's a failure in the home, that much of the blame lies with him. If he loved her more, if he led her more, obviously for her good, then Likely she would respond to him better in a more uh, pliant, submissive, God honoring way. And so, again, this emphasizes the importance of the husband's role and duty in the home. He's responsible, he will answer to God, he is the prophet, priest, and king, in a sense, in his home. He's the prophet. He's the one to take God's word and apply it. He's the priest. He's to lead the family spiritually. He is the king, the leader, the head. And so he will answer to God for all of these responsibilities. Let's look again at verse 19, very short. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered. Against them. And as we began last Lord's Day to open up this verse, we saw that it contains, first of all, the basic duty of the husband. Husbands, what do you do with your wife? Love her. What do you do? Love her. There's the basic bottom line, and you always come back to that. But you don't know my wife. Love her. Love your wife. You choose your love and then you love your choice. And so... That's what the Word of God says. That's the basic duty. And then we saw the pattern of that love going to Ephesians chapter 5. And Ephesians 5, which is a parallel uh, statement of these family responsibilities, tells us that the pattern of the husband's love to his wife, he's to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And we opened that up last Lord's Day. And we saw here in Colossians chapter 3, this little statement that's not contained in Ephesians 5, it's that little um, forbidden or banned behavior, and that is bitterness, that the husband is to love his wife and not be bitter against her. No excuses for bitterness, but, but by wife. You don't make excuses, don't be bitter, because that will kill love. Now we began in the last place, last Lord's Day, to consider how, how the how-tos, how does a husband love his wife? And uh, last Lord's Day I said, well, I had ten things. Well, that makes uh, something of a monster of a topical sermon, but I'm adding one. We started, we got through three last Lord's Day, and that was, we began with, first of all, you live with her, and we are borrowing from 1 Peter 3, 7, husbands live with your wives, or singular, husband live with your wife, and so... That means you want to be with her. You desire to her presence. Secondly, we considered, listen to your wife. Don't turn her off. Don't shut her out. And even though she may be able to talk the ears off a donkey, uh, as my, um, I seem to have heard when I was young, uh, still you listen. Patiently. Uh, Lovingly listen to her. But then thirdly, I said, husbands, talk to your wives. Don't be that uh, block of stone there in the home that's just uh, mute, that uh, maybe responds with a grunt uh, from behind the newspaper or from behind his tablet looking at his news. Uh, Talk to her. Open your heart to her. But I want to add one more thing to this point of talking to your wife before we move on. And then to the fourth, fifth, through eleventh things of how to love your wife. Let me add this about talking to your wife. And again, pouring in scripture to what is uh, very briefly stated here, husbands love your wives. Uh, looking to Ephesians chapter 4, in the context of the local church, where Christ gave pastors and teachers, where the body is to be built up, where we're no longer to be babes carried about by every wind of doctrine. But verse 15, he says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. And of course, it's the context of the body, the church, but it applies as well to the family. Speak the truth in love. And so let me just underscore: Husbands, be truthful with your wife. Tell her the truth. That doesn't mean you uh, have to say everything, but it means you don't spread lies, you don't spread rumors, you don't spread conspiracies that have uh, uh, questionable, uh, or you don't know if they're true or not. You spread, you speak, rather, truth. Make sure that what you tell your wife is true. Again, it doesn't mean that you have to tell her every truth, that you don't have to tell her point blank that the cake she baked was as hard as a rock, that the pancakes were like Frisbees, and that the biscuits could be used as hockey pucks. You don't have to tell her that. Uh, She probably figured it out herself. Uh, but, you know, of course, on the other hand, you don't tell her, oh, these are the best things I, you ever served," because you might get them again next week. Uh, it just reminds me of a time we were visiting in the home of one, actually uh, a member of this church. This is going back a number of years. So don't try to figure out who it might have been. It wasn't anyone present here um, in this room anyway. But. Um, there was a cake that was baked for dessert, and to be honest, it wasn't really very good. And the hostess uh, herself thought there was something wrong with it and asked us, uh, you know, what well, this cake, I'm, I'm, it, it doesn't seem to be quite right. And we all made some sort of general comments. We didn't tell her it was the most wonderful thing we'd ever tasted, but uh, we neither did we say it was the worst thing we'd ever had, which would have been closer to the truth. Uh, we didn't have to say that. But then a little bit later in the conversation, one of the brothers who was with us, his conscience smote him that he had not been altogether truthful. And he stopped and he said, well, you know, um, I, I think I have to say something. You know, that cake, that cake was really off. He didn't say it was awful, but he did say there was something wrong with it. Well, we all laughed. And, you know, I said to myself, lesson learned. You don't have to say everything you think, okay? Lesson learned. So you say the truth, but you say it in love, as Ephesians 4 uh, and verse 15 says, speaking the truth in love. That means uh, your timing, your manner, your approach. Um, my mom always told us kids, you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. Now, not that we always wanted to catch flies, but you know, there's a moral to the story that if you want to influence people, if you want people to listen to you, if you want to speak to their hearts, it's better to use honey than sour vinegar. And so this applies to how you speak to your wife. Speak to her in truth, but speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. So talk to your wives. Talk to them. Talk to her according to this directive, speaking the truth in love. And may you, as husband and wife, grow up more to be like Christ. Well, going back to the 10 things or 11 now, what's the next thing? Okay, so we have already live with her, listen to her. Speak to her, but then fourthly, understand her. And going back to 1 Peter 3, 7, you husbands likewise live with your wives, and now I'll give the literal translation, according to knowledge. According to knowledge. In other words, you have to know your wife. You have to take into account that she's a woman. He goes on to say, as with a weaker vessel since she is a woman. And women are not men. Now oh, that's pretty obvious, you would think, uh, but in our day it needs to be said. Women are different from men. So take that into account. When you speak to her, When you, how you treat her, know her, understand her. Now, this means that we apply, as we apply the golden rule to dealings with our wives, we have to make some adjustments. And I memorized the golden rule from the King James Version as a boy, Luke 6.31, As ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Or, as it's more commonly put, as you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them how you want people to treat you, treat them the same way. Now, of course, because women are different from men, we have to take that into account. We don't treat them the same way we would treat our buddies in uh, the locker room on the sports field because (laughs) women are different. You don't treat them the way you might want to be treated yourself in that sense. Uh, So she's not like a, a fellow male worker in the office or a fellow player on the field. She's a weaker vessel. And she may appreciate different things or things done in a different way than you would. And so uh, when it's uh, Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day, Mom, uh, you may give her what? Well, I would like a new basketball. The old one, you know, the the little knobby things are all worn off. I would like a new basketball. So, honey, I got you a new basketball. Huh? Huh? Honey, I got you a new electric drill. And I remember a sermon illustration about electric drills some time ago. So she says, what do you want me to do? Put holes in the donuts? And well, again, you think in an understanding way, what would she like? Instead of a ticket to the, to the game, maybe she would like your help with the dishes. Or maybe something more feminine, instead of a new can opener, She might like a new necklace. Know her. Now, my wife might like the new can opener, if the old one was broken, uh, more than a necklace. But know your wife. They're all not exactly the same even, though they're all women. Uh, A pep talk that might work with your teammates might make her cry. Live with her in an understanding way. Know what she likes. Know what ministers to her need. Know her well so that you give her what expresses love to her. I remember reading a book some years ago about love languages and people who appreciate different things. And I think the book had a point in that way. Get to know your wife. Live with her in an understanding way. And treat her in a way that's appropriate to who she is. All right, so that's the fourth thing. Understand her, know her, live with her in an understanding way. All right, then the fifth thing, still here in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way or according to knowledge, as with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman. It goes on to say, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Grant her honor. Honor. She is heading for glory. Assuming again we have a Christian family, that's the setting of Colossians chapter 3. Husbands addressed, wives addressed, as believers, as church members, I am aware that not all fit that category, but Here again, we take what the scriptures say in their context and honor her. She's a fellow heir. She's heading for glory. She's going to be with you for eternity. Honor her as one for whom Christ shed his blood. So how do you honor her? Well, you honor her by including her in your decision making. So listen to her. Get her input, especially in major decisions which would affect her greatly, Uh, affect her security, affect where you live, affect your children. Listen to her input. Listen to her as uh, you may make some major decisions for the family with regard to finances. Uh, I know of a situation, heard of a situation where the man made an investment in a scheme that well, was somewhat dubious. And by the way, men—if it and women—if it seems too good to be true, it's too good to be true. Anything promises you fifty uh, percent interest, a hundred percent interest—they're uh, they're selling Dewalt uh, drill combo set for fifty dollars. Uh, don't go for it. You know, it's—it's it's not real. And so listen to your wife. The the woman in this situation, if I remember correctly, had some warning lights flashing, but the man was attracted to the promise of high returns and ended up losing uh, substantially. Listen to her. Take her input into account. Honor her in that way. Honor her by prioritizing her Let her know in real ways that she's more important than your job, your sports, your other interests, your hobbies. She's more valuable to you than all of those things, than anything else except your Lord. She's precious. I remember one of my friends in the Philippines introduced his wife to me and said, oh, this is my one and only. Well, Let her know, even if you don't say that to everybody else. Honor her by meeting her needs as a person. Again, know her, know what she needs, and include that in all your planning. Give her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. So that's the fifth thing, honor her. Number six, all right, so this is the... uh, uh, mother of all topical sermons. The sixth thing then is appreciate your wife. How do you love her? Let her know you appreciate her. Tell her sincerely, underline sincerely, sincerely that you like the way she looks. You married her. You choose your love and you love your choice. You love the wife of your youth, not the youth of your wife you like the way she looks, you like the way she cooks, you appreciate her work, you appreciate her sacrifice, you appreciate her caring for your children. Now, don't lie, don't flatter, don't uh, say things that aren't true, but tell her what you genuinely appreciate about her, and that's putting fuel in her tank to motivate her, encourage her to go on. Because otherwise, what happens? The, your, your dear wife may grow weary in well-doing. You know what happens at work if you're slaving away on a project and you finish the project under deadline, under budget, and your boss takes all the credit. What do you feel like? You're like I'm going to go find another job. What if you do that to your wife? Do You want her to say, I'm going to go find another husband? Of course not. So don't let her grow weary in well-doing by failing to appreciate. I'm not saying that every little thing, oh, honey, that was the most wonderful. You know, she'll get tired of that too. But genuinely, sincerely appreciate. Because the opposite of always harping, criticizing, fault-finding will cause her to give up and to... uh, not want to be with you anymore. My mother told me a story of a funeral she attended where the there was a woman's funeral the man whom she said actually was a former pastor confessed sadly that he had verbally abused his wife and ran her down and only now she's gone did he realize what he had done to her for all those years. So husbands don't wait till it's too late. Instead of running her down, build her up, encourage her, appreciate her. All right, that was number six. Number seven. Number seven. How do you love your wife? You help her. Help her. And... I've seen households, and, and to be honest, early in my marriage, I would have been guilty of this. Don't ask my wife. It's kind of embarrassing. Uh, but I was the blockhead who would come home from work and sit on the sofa and read the Time magazine. And she would come home from work, as we were wo- both working at the time, and go in the kitchen and get dinner ready and all of that. And I was insensitive. And I say that to my shame. Shame. Don't be too proud and don't be insensitive. Don't be a blockhead. Pitch in and help. Don't be too proud to help. Don't have that mentality that it's beneath you. Don't have the macho mentality that that's woman's work. Help. She cooks, you clean. You cook, she cleans. Share the load. Change the diapers. It will not kill you. And here's a little hint. You don't have to ask every time, How can I help? What can I do to help? Because my experience is a woman is reluctant to tell you. Because the woman, you ask, What can I do to help? And you're thinking to yourself, I'm ready to help. This is good. I'm gaining points here. And the woman is thinking to herself, Can't he see? is he blind? What's wrong with the guy? Just do it. Well, so just do it. Pick up the screaming kid that's hanging on your wife's leg while she's doing dishes. Uh, Dry the dishes. Wash the dishes. Just pitch in. Say the nearest thing that you can find to do. And just pitch in and do it. And now you're getting points. Now you're really encouraging your wife. And this is one way that you can express love to her. And there are some, uh, not husbands, but there are some uh, children here, adult children, younger children. You can do the same. Pitch in and help. And that tells your mom you love her. Okay. All right. That's the seventh thing. Now I have a few more. Um, Yeah, 11. So now we come to number eight. And here, again, how do you love her? That's what we're seeking to uh, give counsel for for with regard to this. The seventh thing, and I don't have a verse in the Bible, but it is this court her and maintain romance. Maintain that uh, spark or keep the bells ringing in your romance. Take her out on a date from time to time. Show her that you're still willing to spend for her. Uh, Now, of course, you can't go out for a a meal to a restaurant at this time, but you can order out and have it delivered. You say that costs money. Yeah, it costs money. But think of all the money you're saving on gas at this time. So, you know, you're working at home, so... Put some of the money into a special meal for your dear wife every now and then. A date at home. Uh, Write her notes. Buy her flowers. Have a Friday or a Monday date. Uh, whatever day you choose. Uh, do those things you used to do when you were courting her. You remember how you used to go fetch her at her job and bring her home? Even if it was across town or you know several towns across here in New Jersey, we think of it that way. Uh, take time to express your love to her. You remember when you used to write little notes to her? Well, leave her little notes. Tell her, love her, court her, maintain that spark uh, of romance in your relationship. Maintain friendship. Now, this may be difficult to uh, keep separate from romance. I think, though, know, we know what things you do with friends and what things you do in romance. But when I asked my wife to marry me, because I knew that she wanted to marry her best friend, I said to her, you're letting a little secrets out, um, she's not frowning at me, though, so it's okay. I said to her, would you be my best friend? Well, guess what she said. I'll leave that to you. But uh, maintain that friendship. What things does she like to do? Do those things together that are fun. Play games, all sorts. Talk. Keep laughter in your home. Um, Remember her favorite activities, not just what you like to do. There's a problem in our family when we do play a game together. You know, the question is, well, what do you want to do? Well, you choose. No, you choose. No, you choose. I chose last time. Well, just do it and have fun. Maintain that friendship together so that your relationship is not strictly business, uh, not just two people at the same address, but two people in love, two people who enjoy being together and doing things together. So that's number nine. Number ten, give her security. How do you love your wife? Make her feel secure. Again, going to verse Peter, I have that statement that Peter makes about Sarah, that the wife is to submit to her husband, 1 Peter chapter 3. Thus Sarah obeyed Abraham, verse 6, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Now that's commanded to the wives. But remember that to be a wife is to be in a vulnerable situation, to be under the headship of a man, to surrender your leadership in a way of your own life to someone else's control. It's a very threatening situation where you are very vulnerable. And so Paul or Peter writes and says, "Be like Sarah, that woman of that holy woman who hoped in God, submissive to her husband, called him Lord, you become her children if you do what is right without being frightened." Now men, flipping that over on your responsibility, don't give her cause to be frightened. Don't play to her fears. Don't threaten her more than she's already threatened by being under your headship, but rather make her feel safe and secure under your arms, under your leadership. And so make her feel secure financially. That means you do your best. It means that maybe you have to go the extra mile. Maybe you have to put in a little extra study to get better credentials, to have a better job, or to do the job you do better and to gain recognition more. Whatever it takes. You take a seminar. You show your boss that you have initiative. Not being a workaholic. You love her more than your job. But doing what's necessary so that you make her financially secure. And so you don't pretend that everything's going well financially while you're racking up debts for her. No, you keep her in the truth. You keep her in the light. But you make sure that she knows you're doing your best to lead and provide for the family financially. So make her secure. As the leader in the home that way. Make her secure physically. And sometimes all it takes is your arms around her. Your strong arms. Make her know that she doesn't need to be frightened by any fear when you're around. And that you love her so much. Yes, you're willing to lay down your life for her. Give her security. And that's a way of showing her you love her. But then the last thing, and I added this, and I'm surprised that I didn't think of this last week, but this is what gets me me up to number 11. The 11th thing is to lead her spiritually. Lead her spiritually. This is part of leadership. It's part of headship. But if you really love her, don't make her be the one to remind you about family devotions. Don't make her be the one to say, are oh, we going to read the Bible tonight? Don't make her be the one to say, well, let, let's let's have devotions now and her, make her lead it. I remember one time I, I did a family seminar, and this is in a place uh, somewhat far from here. I won't say where it was. And there was an open forum time, question and answer, and one of the women... Where her husband, sitting right next to her, said and asked this question: "What do I do uh, if my husband won't lead family devotions?" Well, you kind of put you on the spot there. The guy's right next to her, and so I know she's she's loading, uh, you know, she's loading a cannon to shoot at her own husband and seeking to use me to attack her husband. Uh, but all the same. I said, well, you know, I know this is somewhat of a pointed question, but let me answer it generally. And I'll speak to all the men here. So I tried to not let the guy off the hook, but get him out of the hot seat anyway. Men, you are responsible to be the leaders in your home spiritually. Now, when I say have family devotions together, that doesn't mean you have to preach a sermon to your family. I heard of a man, I I can't verify this, or I can't do a fact check or go to Snopes and uh, tell you if this actually happened or not, but I heard of a man who actually built a pulpit and put it in his living room, and so when they had family devotions, he stood up behind the pulpit and he preached to his family for an hour. Well, um, don't do that. You know, right kids? Kids say amen. Okay. (laughs) Wives would probably say amen too. But um, no, you don't have to do that. But you know, five, ten, even five minutes a day, reading five verses and applying it, you know, the scripture is clear. We believe in the perspicuity of scripture, which just means it's clear. That it is clear enough and that What we need to know, God has clearly revealed. And so take what's clear in the scriptures and apply it to your family. Read through. Maybe it's a chapter. Maybe it's a paragraph. uh, Maybe it's five verses, but read, apply pray, maybe sing, Uh, you know, some people have better voices than others, some people have a family member who can play an instrument, some don't, Uh, and and I won't dictate, and I won't mandate, but singing is good if you can do it, Uh, but You are to lead your wife spiritually. That makes her feel secure, but it makes her feel loved. My husband cares for my soul. My husband loves me, nourishes me, cherishes me. My husband, like the Lord Jesus with the church, wants to see me stand before God without spot or blemish. He can't take away my sins, only Jesus can do that. But he can lead me in the proper path. And so there were 11 things, husbands, how to love your wives. Let me just review them for my own sake, all right? So what were they? Live with her, listen to her, talk to her, understand her, honor her, appreciate her, help her, court her, maintain romance... Maintain your friendship with her, give her security, and lead her spiritually. Now, as we conclude then what God has to say to husbands, I have several words of application here this evening before we wrap up. And the first one is, again, husbands, what do you do? It's a very simple verse going back to Colossians 3. Husbands, love your wives. And don't be bitter, embittered against them. Very simple. Love. Of course, how to do it. I had 11 points. And, you know, I'm open if anybody wants to email me or send me a message and say, Pastor, you forgot about this. This is how I'd like to be loved. Wives, feel free. I, I, I would uh, receive your comments. Not to say that I'm going to put it in the next sermon, but uh, I would listen. And so try to obey what I've just said. But... Um, There are 11 things. Men, that's what you are to do. You're to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Do it practically. Do it considerately. Do it patiently. Love her. And of course, the second word of application is this. Husbands, I hope you realize then for those 11 things and all else that the scriptures contain, you need grace. You need the Spirit. As I said, as we started this sermon this evening, apart from me, the Lord Jesus said you can do nothing. And husbands, I hope you are thoroughly convinced of this, that this is a tall order. Apart from the help of God, you cannot love your wife as you should. And therefore you cry to him. You come and soak your soul in the Scriptures. You pray through the Scriptures. If you have a problem with anger... You put that in your daily prayer list. It always surprises me when I uh, counsel people who have an anger problem and I just ask them, have you prayed about this every day? Well, no. (laughs) God hears and answers prayer. He gives the Spirit to those who ask. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Read through Proverbs. Pray through Proverbs as they deal with anger, words that are the, the, the tongue that's like a sword that cuts. Pray through Proverbs. So husbands, you need grace. Now, I'm very conscious that as we've gone through these last three weeks, first week was for wives, and that covered, or yeah, wives, that covered maybe 25% of the congregation. Now husbands, maybe it's another 25% of the congregation. That means 50% of the congregation, I'm talking about the people who sit here or who are listening, are either young or single And so you don't fit these two categories. You say, well, you're only preaching to 25% of the people listening to you? Well, I'm trying to preach the Word of God. But I recognize that even when I talk to fathers, I'm talking to kids. Because what I have to say to your parents, you need to hear too. I remember as a boy hearing... I was probably in a sermon. I don't remember too many sermons as a boy. Hopefully, uh, the kids in this congregation out there or even in here, you remember more of what I preach and what the pastors here preach than I remember of what I heard as a boy. I hope you do. Okay? Because I'm talking to you. Now, I do remember this. That the best thing a dad can give to his kids is to love their mother. And so dads, husbands, give your children and your wives on Mother's Day this gift. So moms, in a way, this is my gift to you for Mother's Day to tell your husbands the best thing you can do for your kids is to love their mom. Is it right? When you see... Your dad, throw his arms around your mom and maybe you say, oh, yuck, they're going to kiss again. Uh, But you see them loving each other and it makes you feel secure. It gives you that sense. This is the way a family ought to be. And maybe you know other kids at school or in your neighborhood whose parents are arguing and throwing stuff at each other. And you say, boy, it's not like that at my house. But you know, you have God to thank for that. Dear kids, listen to me. If you're in a happy home, it's the grace and mercy of God to you. Pray for your parents to love each other more. Encourage them to love each other more. And if they ever have a disagreement that maybe has a little bit of escalation of voices to it, you have, well, I'm going to stick my neck out. Stick yourself in between them and say, Dad, remember what Pastor Steve said. Love your wife. Mom, you remember what Pastor Hoffmeyer said? Well, maybe <clears throat> you'll get yourself in trouble. I mm. <sighs> Do it gently, do it respectfully, but pray for your parents. That they will model to you, kids, what we read and what we studied here in Colossians 3, in the whole Bible. Now for everybody, this is for everybody. You're a mom, you're a dad, you're a husband, you're a wife, you're single, you're just a kid. This is for you too. Because what we've been talking about tonight from Colossians 3 is what? L. O-V-E. Love. How do you love your wife? Well, you know, that applies in many, many ways. And now I went through my list of 11, and I I highlighted especially these seven things that apply to everybody, whether you're married or not, whether you're young or old. And here it is, okay? So... um, maybe you don't have to, uh, in a way, what was my number one thing? I have to go back in my list because I'm forgetful. Uh, You don't have to live with everybody, thankfully. And you don't have to, well, you know what? If you love your neighbor, listen to them. That's a good general rule. How do you love your neighbor? You give them attention. You don't write them off. You don't just shut your ears to everybody. Listen to them patiently. Maybe at times you have to say that's enough and move on. But listen, understand each other. That's the next thing. Understand. Try to put yourself in other people's shoes. I remember as a boy one of my uh, childhood friends going to their house and their father was a, it was a gen- gentleman had a sign over the kitchen table before you condemn somebody walk a mile in his moccasins. Well understand your neighbors. Understand each other. Talk to each other respectfully and lovingly. Respect one another. Respect your neighbor. Appreciate one another. Don't always complain about everybody else. Now, sometimes it's hard to find something to appreciate in some certain people, but look for it. Get out your magnifying glass. Help one another. Enjoy one another. And here in the church, let me say that. You know, we're all so different in this church, uh, which is good. We're not all cut out of the same cookie cutter. And that gives us variety. Variety is the spice of life. Now, maybe some people get on your nerves. Get over it. Love them. Love the differences that we have. That's what Christ did for you. Were you so lovable? Love even those that are hard to love. Enjoy, love the brethren. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love here in the church. Speak the truth in love. And so speaking of love is very applicable across the board in many ways. As we close this evening, let me close with this last word. And that is, again, in this world, love is a rare thing. Genuine love. Love that goes the second mile. Love that cares more for the other than for self. Love like the love of Christ for sinners. Love like the love of God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Even if you have the best husband or the best wife that ever could be, they're not perfect. I hope you recognize that before you say I do. Because you're going to be disappointed otherwise. There's no such thing as a perfect marriage. But Christ's love for his church He so loved, he gave himself. He died for his people. You might die for somebody's good. You know, you think of those war stories where the uh, Medal of Honor winner dies for his comrades, his brothers in arms. But would you die for an enemy? While we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. Dear friend, here's the love of God for an enemy. You say, well, what about me? You come to him, he says, all who come to me, I will never cast them out. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Which would you rather? The love of God? In Christ Jesus, freely offered in the gospel, pardon, acceptance, a new heart, a new life, or the wrath of God. Because that's what it is. Love, mercy, pardon, wrath, and justice, and judgment. I think it's a no-brainer. Come to Christ. Come. Come into the warmth of God's mercy and love rather than fall into his judgment that's waiting for sinners. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you have given us directions with regard to love. We do pray for the families in this church, for husbands and for wives, that every wife who's a member of this church would know the love of a godly husband. We pray for the husbands in this church. Grant them grace as we have seen from your word. We need grace. We need the Spirit's help. Apart from you, Lord Jesus, we can do nothing. We need your help to love our wives as Christ loved the church. We plead for those who are single that you would grant them perseverance, grant them endurance, grant them even in your love to find fulfillment, to find delight in serving you because you are a gracious God to us. You have loved us with an everlasting love and we do not deserve even a bit of that. Those who are still children... We ask, O God, that you would help them to love their parents, help them to encourage their parents, help them to pray for their parents, help them to appreciate that they are being raised in a way that's so different from the world, so much better than the world. O Lord, may the families in this church stand as beacons in a dark place, and be good examples that entice people to ask the reason for the hope that is in us, and find mercy and pardon and peace in Jesus our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen.